Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my non-binary friends, welcome to episode five of Mental Health Mondays, the beautiful show where you guys ask the questions and I answer or attempt to answer, and then at some point I'll have friends on and we will help answer, and we're just going to try and, and you know, make the world a better place one question at a time, so let's get right into it. This first question coming from Courtney S., who asks... What are some go-to breathing techniques, music genres, sense, or other sensory things that help you, uh, that help to ground you that I'd recommend to others when I'm feeling particularly anxious or stressed? Love this question because this is actually something that I've been working on a lot recently in that I use a lot of breathing techniques when I'm meditating or when I'm technically thinking about the idea like it, it usually would only be something that i would think of if i'm sitting down to meditate for the most part rarely in my day-to-day -day stressful life or whatever have i thought about breathing techniques the only other time outside of the last month or so that i really think about it is when i go to sleep and that breathing technique is one of my favorites so i will go into all of them one of the most simple um, breathing techniques that I like to use, and it's usually when I'm trying to sleep, it's, it's when my mind isn't too crazy, but I definitely know that I want to calm myself down. And you can do it one of two ways. Well, you can do it any way you want, but these are the two ways that I have learned. The first one is as you are taking an inhale, you count one. In, one, out, Two. In, one, out, two. Continue that until you feel a little bit more calm. An additional tool that you can use uh, to help sort of lock in that breathing and lock in the focus is if your eyes are closed, when you're inhaling and counting one, you're also going to envision the number one in your mind. So you're going to look, you're going to see the number one on that inhale. And then as you exhale, you're going to count that two, and then you're going to see the number two. However you choose to see the number two is on you. For me, it's drawn out like the number two. I don't have like a one or a two. It's actually either the one or the two. That is one that works um, good for me. However, I notice that sometimes, and this is the alternate, is in one, out two, in three, out four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Reset. Now, typically, that is the one I prefer, and I will explain when we get to the other two breathing, uh, other two main breathing techniques that I use. One of the reasons why I like the one to ten is that I notice for myself when I'm continuously repeating the same numbers. So if I continue to go one, two, one, two, I can get a little bored and I tend to lose focus, which. Again, is the whole point of meditation, the whole point of, of uh, counting breaths and using breathing technique is to just get as close as you can to true peace in this moment and to just have your mind as clear as possible. So that means there's going to be certain ones that don't work as well for you. And the one and two can be actually very good when I'm falling asleep. But I notice if I'm doing general just like meditation and I'm up and awake, that using the one and two doesn't work as well, which is when I will use the one through 10. Now, over to a little bit more, I wouldn't even know if that, I guess you can call that a breathing technique, but a different one, um, which is a more popularized breathing technique, which is called the square breathing technique, which is you uh, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, right? So in, two, three, four, Hold, two, three, four. Release, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. In, so on and so forth. Again, an amazing, amazing breathing technique. I'm pretty sure that one is actually more towards uh, focus. Um, and then the that one, again, I enjoy sometimes but it's not my favorite my favorite 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 one which is the one that i've been using every single day now when i've been doing my meditation in the sauna and 
one I've actually tried to take out and use at my desk, use while walking nugget, use in my day-to-day -day life is inhale for four, hold for seven, exhale for eight, inhale for four, hold seven, exhale eight. Why I like this one is that the numbers aren't the same. So with the four, 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 one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Again, I can get bored and it can cause me to lose focus and it can take me a lot longer to realize that I've stopped the breathing pattern that I've wanted with a four, 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 as opposed to the four, seven, eight. So with the four, seven, eight, and then one of the things that I also like to utilize is I count four, one, uh, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, because one of the things that I noticed, especially in the sauna, when it's quiet and I can't, I, I don't really have anything to, to put my uh, listening or that sort of attention to is that I can then focus on my heartbeat and then I end up counting my heartbeat beats, you know, as opposed to just sticking with a certain level of time. I want to be as consistent as possible, which is why I do 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000. While my heart might have made those four seconds be two seconds, it at least helps me stay a little bit truer and control the breath so it's consistent and not me going off my heartbeat counting, but me actually counting, if that makes sense. And so those are my favorites. I, those are the, the main ones that I really practice right now um, when it comes to breathing techniques. When it comes to music genres, I mean, when I'm anxious or stressed, it all, it truly just depends on the level of angst and, and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say when it comes to music, music genres, usually I have a little bit more calming playlist. It's usually more relaxing, um, sort of melodic dubstep or, uh, chiller, calm, lo-fi, something like that. Usually if I'm feeling anxious or stressed, I'm not going to be putting on aggressive bass music. It all depends. Like if I'm at the gym and I have a feeling of angst, definitely putting on that music helps me like lift that out. But when it comes to just driving in the car, actually, when it comes to driving in the car, a lot of times if I'm feeling there's anxiety and stress show up in different ways for me in two main ways. One is just with mental chatter. It's just, I feel my mind all over the place. I feel like it's crazy. And when I'm feeling that way, usually it's not music that I'll go to. If it's mentally, uh, in terms of thoughts and stuff like that, usually silence is my go-to because it helps me then kind of play everything out. And what I'm really good at doing is filtering through those thoughts of being like, okay, all right, we're just going to let that one run. I don't need to worry about that one. Oh, that that one actually makes sense. Let's let's focus on this one. Let's put our attention here. And so I will then be able to sort of sort of think that out. When it comes to the anxiety and stuff that ends up in my body and chest, predominantly in my chest, which is where I feel my anxiety, that's usually when I need to get my body moving. That's usually when I will put on maybe more hyped music or something that sort of gets me out of this and just dispels that energy somewhere else, you know? Uh, so, and everyone is different, right? Some people, when they're sad, they want to listen to sad music. Some people, when they're sad, want to listen to super happy music. You never know. Everyone is going to be different. And that's why you just have to start really, really, really paying attention to yourself and going again, like I, like I always say, having that list of things that you love, that you know, make you feel the most peaceful and the most joy the more you have an understanding of those things, the easier it's going to be to help take you out of those anxiety, stress-ridden, anger, whatever it is, because you know the things that, okay, I know this is going to make me happy. Maybe it won't completely fix me. Maybe I'm not going to be overjoyed. Maybe it might just be a minute, 10, 30, an hour of levity that allows me to then take on the other aspects and feelings that I have to go through to process whatever has happened. So that's that. Um, when it comes to scents, I don't really have like a calming scent. I know for me, my, how do I want to phrase it? My 
go to sort of How about that? There we go. Is that better? Okay, cool. Where did it cut off? Cause that's, where did it cut off? Cause I feel like that, that shouldn't happen. It cut off at sense. Oh dear God. Oh, dear God. My go-to. Oh, like my, oh, I think, oh, can someone remind me what the last thing I said was? Hold on. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to go back on the tape. We're going to go back on the tape, and this is going to be the most, the, hey, this is the first time I've messed up this badly. Walking. Okay, so it was cut. Wow, it was cut off for a long time. Awesome. I said I don't have a scent I like. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. All right, that's actually relatively simple. So yeah, um, when it comes to scents, I don't, I don't really have a scent that I like. And even when it comes to a lot of those things, like it, it's really... Breathing technique, I feel, can be the most powerful because it's something that you have always. You, unless you're dead, you have your breath. So you can use that in every single instance. You might not always have the ability to listen to music, talk to a friend, go and get a scent that you like. Even you might not have the ability to go out and go for a walk, which is something that is so, so, so helpful um, for so many of us. And... So I'm really mad because I don't know what else I might have missed. But again, if you're feeling anxious or stressed, some of the best tips just to kind of TLDL this is work on some breath work, whether that's counting one on the inhale, two on the exhale, one on the inhale, two on the exhale, whether that's counting one on the inhale, two on the exhale, three on the inhale, four all the way up to 10, whether it's counting uh, in two, three, four, hold two, three, four, out two, three, four, hold two, three, four, or in two, three, four, hold two, three, four, five, six, seven, out two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Those are the, some of the most helpful. My favorite being the four, seven, eight. I love it. I love it. I love it. Tried to implement it in as many places in my life as I possibly can. Even did it at the jujitsu or at the volleyball tournament on Saturday. And it works wonders. So yeah, man, if you're dealing with anxiety and stress, breathing techniques are so, so helpful. And then also just having a list of things that you know make you the most peaceful, the most happy, and finding a way to be able to do one of those things on the list can do wonders for you. So I hope that helps. Courtney, thank you for your question. Let's move on to the next. All right, our next question is an anonymous question. And it says, I feel like I annoy or bother some streamers due to me being really active in chat. Based on my expertise, do I feel annoyed or bothered by activity by certain viewers or could it just be anxiety and overthinking? So I will go ahead and because this is actually a very, very beautiful question. Uh, and there's probably two things. There's a couple things that I can address here. Number one. Um, a, I know I can see the person who asked this question and I can tell you wholeheartedly that I am not annoyed in any way, shape or form. And I truly like, I am legitimately surprised 
which is the amazing thing about communicating with other human beings, because I would have never expected that you felt this way. So I appreciate you for being vulnerable and bringing this up. Um, no, I am not annoyed by you in any way, shape or form. Uh, do I ever feel annoyed or bothered? Yes, of course. However, you gain a certain level of understanding with any job, right? With any job, you know, you're going to have certain people that come in that are going to behave in a certain way, certain people that are going to be easier to, to deal with certain people that are going to be more complicated to deal with. For me, one of, and so I will say that it can be difficult. Um, however, I feel like every streamer is different, right? Every single person is different. Every business is different. Every way of every way that we can interact is different, right? And so for myself, when it comes to chat, there's certain, there's, as a streamer, there's certain things when you read it in chat where you're like, why did I need to know this? For an example, right? And that can be, there, there's no specific examples. There's just certain things where you're like, oh, that's interesting that you would let me know that. Thank you. I don't know why I needed to know that, but I appreciate you for engaging, right? Like we're all going to be going about it in a certain way. And I think that typically, yeah, like I, it doesn't happen often. Like I really don't get annoyed, I think. And that's also, that's also the, the beautifully difficult thing about this is that I can read a comment and if it annoys me, awesome. I just don't have to engage with it, right? Like if someone comes in and just says, you suck, it's as easy as doing this. Next. Right. So I think over time, I've just started to realize that, yeah, there are certain people who will type in chat more. And some of those things mm, I don't need to reply to, or they don't, it doesn't necessarily make sense for me to take the time to reply, which is why I always try and answer questions. I always try, if I know something is directed towards me, I do my best if I'm able to, to reply. Other than that, like if I'm not needed, then I might not need to engage. I'm going to skip over that and go to maybe another name of someone that I haven't replied to or something like that. Really? I like it. I think the only way that it would really be bothersome. I don't know, man. Like this is a difficult question because I feel like, and the mods can say this so well, like I have such good boundaries with everything that if I'm bothered by your comments or the moderators are bothered by the amount that you're talking, then we can mute you. We can be like, Hey, is everything okay? But we usually don't have to do that. Rarely does anyone comment so much with no purpose that we have to mute you. So I can guarantee you that if you haven't had to hear from us, you're doing great. Like that's plain and simple, man. If you haven't heard from us, if we don't say anything, if we don't mute you, like you're doing great. We love every, like, I love how much you guys communicate in this chat. I love the level of community and connective, uh, connectivity that we have as a community because of how much you guys engage with each other. I don't think we would be the same community that we are if you guys didn't engage as much. So honestly, talk until you're like, if you feel like you're just talking to talk, obviously, then maybe it might not be the most receptive, but if you're actively participating in whatever is going on, whether it be what's going on on my screen or in the chat, we love it. You know, we absolutely love it. So brother, I appreciate your question. Know that you are loved and welcome and you are so fucking great, dude. You are so, so fucking great. Next question, baby. All right, we are allowed to read this question, but it's not even a question. Zach K said, no question. Just hope everyone has a great day and that all your dreams come true. I appreciate you. P.S. Don't shave the beard. I got to, man. I, I have to shave it for the job that I have tomorrow at Lockheed Martin. I don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. I'm just paid. I'm just paid. So, um, I 
Love this. Question from the one and only Heather, who always is just making me think. It's something I woke up thinking about. When do we learn to fear rejection? How can we move past a fear of rejection? I hate you for asking this, Heather, because of what we have gone through in the last week. Um, fuck. That's a damn good question. When do we learn to fear rejection? I think that we learn to fear rejection when we start putting the value of that person's acceptance of us into our own level of acceptance of ourself. So what I mean is if I go up and I'm flirting with a girl, if I determine my self-worth and value by her acceptance of a proposition, if I ask her on a date, if she says no, and I take that as a rejection of who I am as a person at my core, we will continue to be afraid of rejection. We will never, ever, ever push towards something that we want if we think that it is a reflection of who we are as a person. But one of the beautiful things that streaming has given me and that boundaries have taught me is that boundaries, simply put, explain what I am and am not responsible for. So in the context of boundaries in dating, if I go up and flirt with someone and they say no, that is that my my self-worth, my value has not changed. What in that moment that person is doing is saying that I will not value you as much as you value me. This is how I go it in my brain. I, the person that is rejecting you, will not value you to the level in which you should be valued. Therefore, I will not accept your proposition. And it is now... When I tell you that I can say that with a million times more confidence than I can actually live it out, I take that back. I can live this out in just about every aspect of my life pretty damn well. It's taken a lot of years, but I can do it. Dating, though, is definitely the hardest part. So, of course, I use the one example, which is the hardest thing to possibly fucking do. Um, and so here's the thing, though, is that you don't know if you don't go, right? Just you miss every shot you don't take. Like I said, when we go and we talk about love, you are either... Every person that you pursue romantically will have two possible endings. One, you guys are going to be together forever. Or two, it's not going to last. That's it. Those are the only two options that just about every single interaction in your life can have. It will continue and progress on or it won't. And so when you start realizing that when you start realizing that, so many more opportunities can happen. When you realize that there is no success without rejection, there is no success without vulnerability, there is no success without failure, you realize that the rejection is just a part of it. And I think why I've been able to become so comfortable with it and why it's taken so long romantically, but it's, working, it's worked so well in every other aspect in my life is simply because of auditioning. Simply because of knowing that when I go into an audition, I can be the most perfect person for the part, but there's a chance that the director dated someone who looked like me recently and they don't want to hire me. That's it. If I then take that rejection as a slight against my skill as an actor or anything like that, then I am going to be 
devastated. And I'm going to be in for a rough, rough, rough career. But what I do know is that I prepared my best. I showed up knowing that I'm going to do this in the best version that I possibly can do. And that is the success. The act of that is what I want to achieve. Not, of course, do I want to book every job I get? Yeah. But I know that the booking of the job is not tied to my own confidence and my own sense of self. Um, and so I think that we can move past the fear of rejection by getting rejected, by intentionally putting yourself out there to get hurt. Because here's, here's another thing, one of the things that I learned when it came to acting. I, I never realized how much my acting career has prepared me for this and for rejecting. It's insane. Is that, I mean, we can, we can do the romantic part because that's, that's almost the hardest, right? Let's say you're going to go and you want to go and uh, you want to go flirt up this person and they say no. Guess what? Nothing has changed. Before you went over to that person, you weren't having a romantic relationship with them. They were not your partner. They're not your girlfriend, boyfriend, they friend, whatever. You get rejected and it's still the same, right? Nothing's changed. You only have things to gain by putting yourself in a position to get rejected. And so I think that like that's okay. You know what? This ties in perfectly for those of y'all who were not around last week. I have recently starting, uh, started talking to this woman. Um, she is incredible. She is. Anyway, we started talking last week after, um, a couple great, a couple days of great conversation she stopped texting me out of nowhere. And meanwhile, I'm freaking out because I get very interested very quickly. It's just what I did. I've been doing it for 25, for my entire life. The amount of times I've had my best friend be like, John, you got to take it slow. You know how you are. And I'm like, okay. It finally has just gotten to the point where, again, either I'm going to be so jazzed about this person. We're going to end up falling in love and be together, or we're not. Either way, I'm single now. If this doesn't work out, I'm still single. If it does work, awesome. I have a partner. So I get super bummed. So I send the, uh, the Hail Mary of like, hey, you know, I know you've been busy. I could have been a little bit. I'm just really excited. Let me know if you want to go on a date. Nothing. So then I send another message because meanwhile, she's still looking at my stories. She's still replying to my stories. So I'm like, wait, if you're interested, no one that's interested doesn't text the person back that they're interested. This just, what? So then I, I send another message that had to do with uh, a story that she posted. Nothing. And then finally, I talk to my therapist. And I don't know this, you guys will understand. I'm hoping this will all tie in or either you guys are just, either way you're just learning something about me. Anyway, talk to my therapist about it and she goes, okay. What, I mean, did you, did you like ask why she couldn't have replied or like what, what might've been going on in her life or something? And I was like, well, no, cause she's like still looking at my shit. And if you like the person you reply, like that's, that's literally all it was. And then she was like, okay, well, you know, are, are, are you attractive? Like, cause we only do voice sessions. So I was like, well, Technically, I'm a model. And she's like, oh my gosh. Okay, there's a total chance. Look at you. You're funny. You're whatever. And you're a model? Come on now. She might be intimidated. She might be a little bit blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dude, there's no way. Like, again, if you like someone, you message them. It's not that hard. So we end up, uh, we end the therapy session. And that's sitting in my chest. That's sitting in my chest as angst. And like, what if she's right? What if there is something? What if, all right, you know what? I thought I was vulnerable in the first one. Let's just be fucking vulnerable. And guess what? 
I got the best reply that I've gotten from a woman in a very long time. She was like, hey, she called me a cute nickname to start it off, which she had never used before. It was so weird. Then she was like, hey, I'm sorry. My weekend ended up getting super crazy. Um, communication can be difficult for me. So when I get overwhelmed and stressed, like I don't know what to say. So this is me attempting to do that. I'm so sorry. You're really cool. Let's keep talking, okay? Boom. And now it's a week later and we're still talking and things are going fantastic. Had I been afraid at taking that extra, extra step of vulnerability of truly letting this woman know, hey, I'm like really confused. Like we were having great banter. We seem to be getting along very well. And then, you know, you all of a sudden stop replying. That's just left me really confused. And so if it's possible, I know I can be... um Maybe a, a little, I might've come on strong if that's the case. I'm so sorry. You're just a super cool person. Um, but, and here's the thing, you don't even have to reply, but if you would just let me know how I'm being perceived, I would greatly appreciate that. And she ended up sending an incredible reply and it was beautiful. So yes, vulnerability hurts. That's why it's called vulnerability. But I can tell you from experience of many, many, many years of being vulnerable in an audition room on, on camera, on this camera, on, in my acting class, wherever it might be, only amazing things can happen with vulnerability. However, there is that catch-22 of there are those in the world who will take advantage of your vulnerability, who will use that against you. And those people are pieces of shit. And you know what? We have them. They exist. They are sneaky. And those people are the people that ruin vulnerability for you for your entire life. Just one person. But again, every time you're vulnerable, you can either end up hurt or end up with a loving experience. And I'm going to gamble on love every single time. So... If that's a good way to think about it, if you can think of being vulnerable is gambling, is putting yourself in a position to feel love and to be loved, that's beautiful, man. That's absolutely beautiful. All right? So that's what I got. I mean, the easiest way to learn uh, to move past the fear of rejection is to just get rejected, is to know that the only way to find true love and happiness is to experience rejection, is to experience not getting something that you've wanted because guess what? It might take 10, 15, 20, 30, 100, a billion times, but one of those times it'll work and it'll all be worth it, all worth it. So Heather, thank you for that question. That was absolutely beautiful. Next one, we got Confi. Who says, is it, wrong of, uh, is it wrong for me to feel that your girl is still too attached to her parents? She has some attitudes that you won't expect from a 30-year-old. Like, for example, she's buying underwear and then will be like, I was going to get 10, but now I feel bad. I'll better take five for me and five for my mom. When she is not being asked uh, for kind of favor, she also bases a lot of her decision-making on mom should be fine with it. Even when she is not living with her parents and her mom doesn't take her uh, a lot into account. You also dislike that her mom goes like, take me on vacation, buy me this to her and not with her husband. And are you getting involved in some, uh, am I getting involved in something that does not belong to your attention? Ooh, this is really fun. So. This. I will equate back to boundaries and how it affects your relationship, right? So for me, A, you are allowed to feel anything you want to feel. It doesn't, it's not right or wrong or anything like that. Let's, let's just address that. You are more than, are more than in the right to be feeling any certain way. It's, it's like your future. It's your family, 1,000%. Um, so what I think you have to answer is what things are affecting your relationship in a negative way, because those are going to be the most important. 
when it comes to the like the underwear thing it, it, if it's one of those that like the the money that you both are making if there's certain money that you guys are supposed to be putting aside as a couple or whatever and that money ends up getting spent on the mother i i could completely understand some sort of feeling of what in the f like this money's for us but you're spending it on your mom this doesn't make sense the question that yeah you have to answer yourself is how much is it impacting the relationship because you could have your partner could just be very very close to your mom and if it's not getting in the way of you guys being a happy and loving couple then i think that can be one of those things to get over not get over but talk to your partner maybe try and understand her perspective more because Maybe there's a certain dynamic in their household where this is expected and she doesn't even know any other way to do it. Maybe there's so many other things. The biggest advice that I could say is definitely ask her about it, is definitely bring it up to her, especially if you guys have a beautiful communicative relationship. Expressing your concerns and why it bothers you, because here's the thing, it can all happen, but why does that bother you is is going to lead you to a much more productive solution than just the fact that it is, right? Because I can think, oh, my my girlfriend and her mom hang out all the time. That's weird. But like, if they're close and it's not affecting your relationship and they're both happy, then it's not really something to think too much about, you know? But if they're talking and then the mom is changing dynamics of your relationship or asking about certain things that she shouldn't be involved in, that is 1,000% the time where you're like, hey, whoa, boundaries exist. Let's talk about that. So, yeah, man, I would, I would definitely bring this up to her in the most loving way possible. Again, every single thing when it comes to difficult topics should be filtered through these four things. Is it honest, necessary, kind, and true? If it doesn't fit all four, don't, my advice, don't fucking say it. But... Like, be careful because you're going you're gonna to be getting into some dangerous waters if, if they don't fall under all of those four things, okay? Honest, necessary, kind, true. Try and gain some understanding. Figure out a little bit more of what that relationship is. And then also, in those ways that are affecting you in a negative way, what does it look like to not affect you in a negative way? How can you both come closer to that compromise that makes you both feel Love, respected, heard, and understood. You know? I trust you, brother. You fluffing got this. Our next question is from the one, the only, Rump. Rump asks, how do you find ambition to change things about your life, daily habits, and goals? You've been missing something in life and you're not sure what it is. Very vague question, but if you could do your best to elaborate on that, I'd love it. 100%. So how do I find ambition to change things about my life, daily habits, and goals? This is a very tr tricky question because I feel like you can switch motivation with, uh, sorry, ambition with motivation, which then gets to the point that This one's so tough. I, like, it's tough, but it's simple. It's one of those. Let's, let's try and answer this in, in parts. How do I find the ambition to change things about my life and daily habits? So for me, I know I, I am in a very privileged mental space in that I already know what I want to do. I've found what I love. I've found what lights my fire and what makes me jazzed to wake up every day. That is being active. That is being on stream. That is helping people. That is communicating and having amazing conversations and laughter with people. So it's, it's, it's finding what I love most about life and how I am living it and then figuring out how I can spread that to everything else. So, I will give you 
two specific instances of change. And I, I, I don't even know if I will be able to find the ambition in it. Yes, I will. So I used to be a very big drinker and smoker. I was not a, uh, a casual smoker, really. I actually ended up, uh, cigarettes, by the way, casually smoking for maybe like a week or two, about if that. It'd be like a cigarette in the morning and a cigarette in the evening. Uh, but one of my cores is athleticism, is being athletic, is moving my body, is feeling good. And so I had a jiu-jitsu tournament, fall of 2018, I want to say, hamstring cramp I'm not even joking oh. leg day was a bitch hold on alright we're just gonna leave that leg extended for now um, and so I yeah big drinker and smoker and uh, let's say social smoker big drinker when I was out um, and I had a jujitsu tournament. It was on a Sunday. I ended up getting gold. And what did I end up doing to celebrate? I got drunk and I changed smoked cigarettes out at the bar. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what am I doing? I just celebrated an incredible ac uh, athletic achievement by poisoning my body. This is, this is stupid. So immediately that day, I stopped smoking cigarettes. That Monday, that Sunday was my last day smoking cigarettes. I have not puffed on a cigarette since. Now I've hit a, a, a vape a couple times just because I'm bored and that sounded fun. But I will, I do, do not want to smoke cigarettes again. And then what I continued to realize as I stopped smoking cigarettes is that, oh, I want to drink less now because one of the main reasons that I wanted to drink was that I had the excuse that, oh, now I'm buzzed so I can have a cigarette. So naturally, my, uh, my drinking cut down to the point where within five months, I was sober. So what I'm trying to say is that you have to start by finding, again, finding what you love. And if you're lost, that's okay. Think about your childhood. Think about the things that you haven't done in a while that used to bring you joy and try and find a way to add those into your life. And then you slowly start to realize the things that are impacting the things that you love. Um, so like for me with, with weed and stuff right now, I know that if I have something to do in the morning or something, I like, I will not smoke or eat, uh, excessively because that's going to affect the athletic thing. The amazing thing that I want to do the next day. I have finally found something that I care more about than that other behavior that I was not really wanting to engage in as much. Um, so yeah, dude, I, I, I would, Do my best to just try and, and really sit with what you like in life. And if you don't like anything in life, that's totally fine. You don't have to like anything in life. But I think, I think you know deep down that there are certain things that make you the happiest. There are certain things that you love that maybe spark you up a little bit more than other things. Start doing those more. Start paying attention to those activities and things that that sometimes you forget you're doing because you're just so lost in the moment. Spread those out across your day as much as you possibly can. And you'll slowly start to realize that your life is getting better. Also, think about the people that you're spending the most time with. Think about the stuff that you're engaging with on social media. You really, if you're trying to change your life, you have to put your awareness on 100% because you will start to realize how much of the things that you are just casually subconsciously participating in throughout the day are aiding in your sadness, whether it's scrolling on the gram and seeing people whose lives are 
quote unquote better than yours, whether it's seeing sad news consistently, whatever it might be, the more that you turn on that awareness of those things around you and, and start to gauge and really, really feel, oh, this thing made me not feel great after this thing made me feel great during and great after this, like that sort of deal. And then slowly just start adding in those, those happy things, more those lovely things. And, uh, I can guarantee you, it's not going to take a month. It's going to take a long freaking time. But the more you can start peppering those things in your life, the happier you're going to be, man. I, that was, I took time this morning. I was going to go to jujitsu, but I was like, you know what? Read. I have not read, and I know I'm going to go to jujitsu this week. Read. I love it. It's beautiful. And that's what I did because I knew it was going to make me the happiest. You know, something as simple as that. So you're going to find it, brother. I know you can. You got this. I appreciate you, Rump. All right. Our last and amazing novel is from the one and only Lokes, who says, long story shortish, I don't want to work where I work anymore. Call me crazy, but I don't think I was born to be a customer success manager for a recruiting software company. I'm not passionate about what I do at all. I feel like I'm underappreciated and underpaid, like most people, I'm sure. And a recent situation has rubbed me the wrong way. My problem is that the things I'm interested in doing do not pay well at all. And are very difficult to be successful at. Generally speaking, things connected to entertainment, comedy, streaming, etc. Not only that, I don't have the luxury of taking a massive pay cut because I have a wife, kid, mortgage, etc. And not only that, despite my displeasure, I have essentially zero drive and determination. I'm not entirely sure exactly what my question is, but I'm really unhappy in my current situation. Discuss. I probably could have worded this better, but I'm not thinking too clearly at the moment. Honestly, that was typed so well with parentheses and exclamations and commas and everything. I loved it, Lokes. Not the situation, but the typing. Um, so your problem is that things you're interested in do not pay well and are very difficult to be successful at. This, I, I, this might be one of the questions that I struggle with the most, especially when it comes to those who have families and people that are dependent on them because it'll, it, it inherently means that there's a lot less risk that can be taken. Um, yeah. I honestly would love to see what you all have to, to have about this. I know you're not looking for a solution. Hey, I am so like, dude, I'm so sorry that you're having to experience this. Um, is I think, yeah. And if you're not looking for a solution, man, I feel like, the amount of people that are probably hearing this and are resonating with this is probably a lot more than we would expect. Um, actually, it'd probably be just as many as we expect. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, dude. I wish. Yeah, what uh, is there anything? So if there's anything that you're, and this is, this is what sucks so much about having so many responsibilities is that you of course have to make time for those that you love in your life. You have like, that's so essential. So is there anything on that list that you could start doing? Obviously if you're not doing it full time, but is there something that you could start doing for 30 minutes a day that could make you happier? Um, so that's that again, that's, that's what I would try and do, especially if you're surround, if you, like your day is just dedicated to shit that you don't want to do, finding a way to do something that you love for the smallest amount of time that you can at just whatever that is. And then hopefully over time that doing that thing consistently can aid in you being more at peace and happier 
And then who knows? Like you say it's comedy. So if you honestly, bro, like you're funny as fuck and you're dry as shit. So I think if you just start TikTok doing a 30 second video a day of dude, start ranting about your work. I don't know if that's allowed or not, but you have such hilarious takes and such a good way at, at using words and just flipping things and just being funny that if you started either tweeting it out on a daily basis, putting yourself on camera on TikTok for 30 seconds, something like that, I think that, yeah, your job sucks. Like you're going to hate it probably when you go in. But if you know every single day that you have something that you love that you're going to look forward to, it can just make that pain a little bit better. And then who knows, because you're consistently putting in the time. Yeah. Maybe it's not seven hours like other people can who are in other positions. Maybe though that dedicated half hour a day, that dedicated 10 minutes a day can make all the difference over the next month's year in terms of a growing another business or b even just having something super fun that you just enjoy doing. Um, so that would be my advice again is the awareness is just knowing the things that you love. And if, uh, who knows if you love your family, start talking shit on your family on TikTok. start including your family in content or something. If that's something that they're interested in and that can be super, uh, super helpful. So yeah, man, just if you can, A, just, you know, maybe ask for the owner to write you in their will and then maybe the owner a little bit, a little horrible boss's action. If that's not possible, which it's not, you shouldn't do that anyway. Try and, and make a 30 second TikTok a day to, to just get some of this frustration out, to start telling jokes, to just get into the habit of doing something else that's simply for you. And I think that if you start with it being simply for you and then find out what those simply you are that you want to share with the world, that can be better, you know? Um, so Lokes, I love you, brother. We got you here and we appreciate the shit out of you. Um, so y'all, that is the last question on what might be the longest mental health Monday we have done so far. So many different topics, man. I love it so much. And I thank you guys for your questions, for your comments, for all your engagement. As always, do me a favor, drop a like, excuse me, a comment, and hit the follower sub button wherever you're listening to this. We will be back next Monday on Twitch at 11 a.m. for another amazing Mental Health Mondays. Please go to the questionnaire below. All right. It's in the comments. It's in the description. Ask a question. We'll address it on stream. And I'd love to see. We can help you uh, have a little bit better mental health on this lovely Monday going forward. All right. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'll catch you guys on the next one. Don't worry. The stream's not over. This video is. Later.